These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cinema A to B. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the 1990 Mafia movie from Martin Scorsese, Goodfellas. And Ben, if I remember correctly from the many conversations we've already had about this movie, this is your favorite Mafia film. It is. Yes, like over Godfather, Godfather Part Two, all those Goodfellas is your is it for you. This is the culmination of Mafia movies. It is, and, and it's not that I think that it's a better Mafia movie than Godfather or Godfather Part Two, but for me, when it comes to rewatchability, and mm. just having a good time <laughs> and Goodfellas kind of checks all the boxes. I just find it a it much does. more rewatchable film than, than Godfather one or two. But I think, I think both Godfather one or two are better films. I, mm. I think they're, they predate it, which I think is a big deal by, by a lot. By over a decade. Yeah. And then so. stylistically, those films are very different. They look almost painterly the way they're lit. They look like paintings so I, mm-hmm. they're on another level, I think, from from Goodfellas. But yeah, Goodfellas is like a top three or four movie for me in my top ten. It kind of floats around in there. I'm just amazed every time I put it on. the The pacing is just masterful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thelma mm-hmm. Shoemaker, the longtime editor of uh, Scorsese, who's still editing. I think she's in her 80s, or maybe even, I don't think she's 90, but. She's edited everything, pretty much everything he's ever done. And the yeah. edit the edit in Goodfellas, I'm convinced, is kind of what makes it so fantastic. It's very dependent on its edit. The the edit and then the VO narration by uh the late Ray Liotta. God, I miss that guy. I do. This is I mean, this is really his breakout role too. Like he had done a couple stuff beforehand. I mean, he had done several things, but like several well-known stuff, but this was kind of where he was the guy. Um, and I got to say like, he deserved every moment of this. He did an amazing job. I mean, when you're going up against, you know, Robert De Niro, who this is Robert De Niro in his heyday, kind of like, you know, obviously after Raging Bull, after Taxi Driver, you know, he's five years away from doing Heat. I mean, this is Robert De Niro's time of being something and you're holding your own in scenes with them. Um, obviously doing stuff with Joe Pesci. It's Ray Liotta really brought it. And just as the main character just drives you along. Um, this is, I will, I don't, this is not my favorite mafia film. I am a true Godfather is my favorite mafia film guy. I will say I really do like this film a lot. I mean, obviously, um, it, Scorsese does a fantastic job. It there's so many good points to this movie that I can totally understand, and I don't begrudge anyone who likes this better than The Godfather or Godfather Part Two. Um, for me, I the first like 10, 15 minutes where they're talking about like the the fifties, like he when he's growing up and he's getting involved, and I'm just I love that that time period of like before the mafia got into the drugs, before it went all kind of crazy. It was just like this, you know that that moment just made me it just always makes me happy and so i've watched this recently and forgot that i really just watched the first half and then usually something pulls me away and i i haven't finished the movie that many times 
Um, and so I was able to kind of finish it and go through it, but just really, really enjoyed everything about it. But fun little fact. So, um, Al Pacino actually turned down the role of Jimmy Conway that was filled then by Robert De Niro. So he, cause he didn't want to do another gangster. He didn't want to be typecast as another gangster. Um, however, that same year he was in Dick Tracy. So <laughs> <laughs> a far inferior film. And he was still as a really bad mafia guy. Oh, so yeah, like, Dick, you, yeah, Dick Tracy's a cool movie though. I think it was it's largely ahead of its time. Um, that's really yeah. funny. I didn't, I didn't know that. And I thought it, yeah. enough time would have passed. I, for sure. There's no way it would have been typecast. That's, that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, what is like, where do we begin? I, you touched on a really fun point in that opening is fantastic. And it's like my, my mm. favorite moment in the whole movie too. He's talking about yeah. these guys, they double parked wherever they wanted. Like, no, they were like bigger, you know, bigger than the president of the United States. And my yeah. favorite is when that, that old fifties, it's probably a Cadillac pulls up and it's like a shot from the ground and the, the door mm-hmm. opens up and the guy steps out and you can see how heavy he was because the car like yeah. lurches it's up like six moves. inches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that whole scene. I just, the narration, it really sets the tone of the entire film. They talk about Polly and like how he doesn't have a phone in his house and like everything's done kind of like people talk to him and then talk to him. Like I was reading about it and it really talked about like the Godfather is a movie about family. Goodfellas is a movie about a gang. Yes. Like, you know, like that's the focus. It's not family, but it's a gang, mm-hmm. you know, or like that kind of camaraderie of that uh, group of friends kind of a thing. Not so much group of friends, but definitely much more of a gang. And so there is a different kind of feeling that you get from a, a movie focused on family and a movie focused on gang. You know, there's a little bit more backbiting. There's a little bit more kind of people kind of double crossing each other. Yeah. So you get a look at a kid pre mafia. Mm-hmm. his initiation into it as much as there would be given the fact that he wasn't full-blooded Italian. So he's never, never becomes a made man, but he's in it. And, and then the fallout from being in the gang. And then ultimately at the end of the movie, his, his exit. Although if you ever read about the real Henry Hill, he, he didn't last in witness protection very long. In fact, no. I think he showed no. up at the premiere of Goodfellas yeah. and everybody was just like, wait, what are you, what are you doing here? Why, why are you, isn't somebody going to like off you at the premiere? And for whatever reason, the, the New York crime families just never decided to take a hit out on him. I, it never happened. He, he died. I don't know how long ago it was of basically natural causes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just, I love all the inner workings exactly like you said of, of how the, the mob in New York during this time period operated with mm-hmm. Paulie not, not taking any direct phone call. He didn't want to hear, have anybody hear what he was saying to them. So it was just, mm-hmm. it was purely one-on-one. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. they do a nice job. Uh, Leota narrates at the very beginning that even the FBI never really understood what it was about. What it yeah. was about. Yeah. That it, mm-hmm. that it was, they were the, they were the police for wise guys. They effectively operated that way for people that couldn't, because what they were doing was illegal. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't come to the police for protection. So that's what they yep. provided. And it is, it's, it's such a sweeping Epic. This film feels really big. 
even now when you watch it it feels everybody feels larger than life from the characters they play um the cars the it just all feels really big really loud that's the, that's the kind of film it is and i love every minute of it every time i put yeah. it on and i've seen this movie dozens of times from start to finish and it never it always feels fresh i don't know how mm-hmm. scorsese pulled that off but it does it it feels like a fresh viewing every time and i mean having just watched this i have to completely agree with you like and i've seen it less than you probably but i've seen it definitely five to seven times fully all the way through and then put it on multiple times and you know in the background of stuff because i really do enjoy this film as much as i do like the godfather better this is definitely a fantastically done film and it just it still it, it still held up it still kept my attention the entire time it still brought me into the characters because they're so diverse they're so different um and i mean tommy is just an interesting character all by him by himself and i i always steal kind of your thoughts on tommy so i won't steal them on our podcast since you're actually here (laughs) i won't i'll let you talk about tommy okay but we should go for it we should we should let's talk about Tommy. so the thing with tommy that i've realized is that maybe outside of anton sugar from uh, no country for old men tommy Mm. devito might be the most terrifying character in cinema for me because of his level of unpredictability and his volatility and mm. the way he can kind of lure you in with his charm and then just kill you without any, and you, and you see this demonstrated in its full furor when he kills spider. Yeah. And that scene is just it, terrifying. Every time I see it, I've seen that. Like I've seen, seen that scene dozens of times and it, it's as shocking on the 25th viewing as it was on the first and the Mm. character is just mortifying. He, he is, he's, they're not all cut from the same cloth. Like it, it's such a diverse group. I mean, frankly, Henry, I never, you never see Henry. The only guy you see Henry kill is, is I think when, when they, they kill the guy, the made man, does Henry mm-hmm. ever, well, actually, does he shoot nope, him or he no? So he, so nope. Henry in the whole film, Jimmy shoots him. Right. And then, kill and then guy. Tommy stabs him again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Henry Which doesn't is, even kill anybody in this movie. That's what's so incredible about it. You at least never see him do it. And the characters well, that, got an aversion to murder effectively. Mm-hmm. Well, they even talk about that when at the end, when Jimmy asked him to go down to Florida to go whack a guy or whatever. And he's just like, that's when I knew. You know, that's when I knew because he like because that's not his M.O. His M.O. is doing so much other things, but not that. Yeah, he was. Um, And so he was able to make a buck and obviously move drugs and stuff like that. But yeah, Tommy, Tommy's just terrifying to me. He's still terrifying. It's a credit to Pesci. You know, I've gotten into a discussion with with a coworker about Goodfellas kind of versus Casino. Mm. And he prefers Casino. And I don't fault him for that at all. In fact, we kind of ran a what if scenario and I asked, well, I wonder if, if casino predated Goodfellas, would I have the same opinion or would I Hmm. maybe favor casino? But, and Pesci's character is really, really cool and well-written in casino and very different. But I think Pesci brings just a whole another level to a performance in Goodfellas Hmm. as Tommy versus the, 
the guy he plays in, in in Casino. That's kind of a difference for me between the two movies. Um, and then De Niro is is Jimmy Conway is good, but Pe- this is Pesci's. This is yeah. yeah outside of uh, maybe oh, what's the other movie I'm thinking of? My cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of this is, this is one of yeah. Pesci's best performances by far, which is interesting because the you know the character has no arc at all. He's just wildly unpredictable. He's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, funny how? So <laughs> yeah, funny tell, how. Tell Kyle. the anecdote on that because that's a great so, story. So this is fun. So obviously, uh, that's a great part of the the movie. A lot of people quote it and stuff. So it turns out. Uh, two things. One, most of that scene was improved by Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci because so Joe Pesci had had this conversation with a mafia person when he was much younger and said kind of, wow, you're really funny. And obviously it wasn't the same conversation, but something similar happened. So he's talking with with uh, Marty and about this and he's just like, we're going we're to throw it in. So he just tells Ray and Joe and they just go off. And so the rest of the people around listening to this are kind of responding, going, I don't know what's going on. So they're just kind of listening and going along with it. But it turned out to be one of the most iconic scenes in the movie of this conversation that's, you know, talked about and quoted all the time. And like, am I a clown? I mean, heck it, it's done in animated films now where they're quoting mm-hmm. this kind of same thing. Yeah. So it's a meme. It's a, it's a gif. Yeah. It's an animated yeah. gif. You really are a funny guy. You know, it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tremendous. Cause, and from what I remember the story with Pesci is the wise guy that he said that to, there was no ending of it or where, Oh, I'm just messing with you. Oh yeah. The it's guy just, was pissed just kinda, the whole time and Pesci had to like yeah. really walk back. You're not okay. You're not funny. You're, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love, I love those anecdotes that they, that he was pulling material from real interactions with real mafia because this, yeah, that's the other thing, you know, the great, the great films that center around organized crime all have one thing in common and and that's that everything about them feels authentic. Yeah. And you don't get that unless you have a component where you've either hung around those guys or in the case of Goodfellas, there's a lot of extras and other guys in it that, that were, were actually uh-huh. mafia people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And supposedly they put, they gave their wrong social security numbers, yeah. wrong names, all these different <laughs> things. And so like people were like, how do they get paid? And they're just like, no, probably all cash Check, on the table. Cash, just yeah. like, don't, no, exactly. Don't put me down. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's kind of the, the problem is the whole mafia, the mafia genre has effectively been ruined for anybody that's come after to try mm-hmm. to like even come close to it because you know, you have the Godfather films. Well, we won't discuss the third entry. I mean, it's just not that good. It's only two movies. Yeah. The Godfather's only two. It's a two. It's like a two. Fi- and Jones is four. Well, it's a two. Four it's movies. a two film trilogy. Yeah, it's much like Indiana Jones, this is a four film what, quad. Five, yeah. quad, no, not quad, King Trilogy, yeah. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, anyway, it's, go. it's the bar has been set so stinking high. You The only, the only recent, and I, and I say recent, it's not really recent at all. What's the, what's the mafia film with um, Johnny Depp and Pacino? Donnie Brasco. Oh, Donnie, yeah, Brasco. Donnie Brasco. So in my opinion, Donnie, Donnie Brasco is like the last, I get the Irishman's good, but 
but Donnie Brasco is a better, I think Donnie Brasco is a better movie. That's kind of the last really good mafia movie for me. Mm. And that's been forever ago. Yeah. Um, it's just not a genre that you can go after and you're, everybody's going to expect you to top films like this, like Goodfellas. Now, the only thing I have seen that's it's 10, 10, uh, tangent to it was there was a tv show on paramount plus called the offer which is talking about the making of the godfather and so they had a lot of obviously mafia Mm -hmm. um in it and so it's not a movie about the mafia or a tv show about the mafia but it was felt connected in some way you know to to pun intended um it it was really really good but like irishman i liked but it definitely was much lower on the list like i wouldn't even put it close to anywhere to casino or no. to Goodfellas or definitely not the Godfather series. Well, it's better than Godfather three, but yeah, it's uh you know, yeah, there's that's plenty about of stuff better than the say. third entry. This is another one of those movies at work that seems to have found its way into being sort of quotable <laughs> as stuff, but it's the, it's the funniest thing that comes up as a quote and a shout out to my co coworker, uh, Logan, cause we'll, we'll bounce back and forth, but we, we both get a kick out of when, Henry Hill's wife, Karen has to flush the last of the Coke and <laughs> Karen, it was worth $60,000. Karen, they were going to find it. <laughs> no, they weren't Karen. It, it's just, it, the movie's not killer quotable compared to some other things, but it is still pretty, pretty freaking quotable. And then the other one we, we do is, you know, it, a, you know, we had a system for the garlic. It was, you know, a real good system. <laughs> you slice it so that it liquefies in the pan. That's the other component of this movie that I adore is the the nod to great Italian cooking. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just a I don't know. It, culturally, it is significant, and it and it's mm-hmm. it just feels rich. It, it makes the movie yeah. richer um, having things like that. And like you know, don't don't you know don't t- put too many onions in the sauce. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Exactly. Well, and, and he's using the razor blade to cut the garlic. I mean, that's probably my second favorite portion of the film is that because one is about food and stuff like that. But he, so here's another fun fact. So uh, Scorsese's mother yeah. was Tommy's mom in the film. Right. So which and the scene that they go to, like when they've killed the the mobster guy and then the back and they go to the so that outside of the painting, that entire scene is also improvised. Yes. And so it's just them conversing. It's hysterical. Uh, and she was such a the, lovely woman. If you've ever read oh, anything about her, she's just, she was a doll. Yeah. Great. And she's yeah. so good in that role. And I mean, and she's, fa- yeah, she's fantastic and plays off of them and just is like talking and having a good time. That was the whole component of why that worked is because she knew Pesci and, and Ray and especially De Niro so well. She especially knew De Niro very well. Yeah. She's just she's hanging just out with friends. Yeah. Like he didn't have to give her any direction because they, she's known these guys. I think the only guy that would have been new to her would have been uh, Leota, which fits mm-hmm. the film because he's he's like the newer the newer, newer guy in the gang. Yeah. And so yeah, she's just she's hanging out with with friends, and they just let the cameras roll, and it's just magical mm-hmm. and funny. Oh, that scene is so yeah. funny. Oh, I love that scene. So, but the fact that it's all improvised is great. But the second portion that. All the prop Italian food that was on set was made by his mother. Really? 
I did. Yeah. Not, I did so not like, know I, that. I, I, I did not know. I that. was reading that, and apparently, you were not allowed to touch the sauce, like or oh. to taste it or whatever. Like she's like, I'm cooking this. Like she's actually like really cooking it, but using it and stuff like that. And so, like one of the guys I was reading was talking about, like I went and like part of the scene. I was like, oh, I took a soup, and she came back and she's like, please don't ever touch my my not my soup. Sorry, sauce. my sauce. Oh yeah. Please don't. It's it's cooking. You need to leave it alone. Like you know, it's <laughs> like. But I read that. I was like, that's so like that's so fun to one involve your mother and then have her like be super passionate about the cooking and that kind of comes into it yeah it's unfortunately this is another film with such a deep cast that Mm -hmm. we don't have time to address them all like and it's just it's endless lorraine brocco fantastic Uh, obviously and i still i love that scene where he stands her up yeah and she comes in the car and and he's like she was you know she was yelling at me but she looked good yeah, <laughs> and I love the I love the double narration. Oh that yeah, he did he didn't just leave it as as she gets to, Ray's character. She gets to narrate in that scene I, too. I it's that. wonderful. So which which oh and throughout and, and throughout the movie she she comes in and narrates too. She which does. Is when it works. She does. I want to address more of like the I'm not going to name him, but the gentleman that I used to work for that despised voiceover <laughs> narration in film. <laughs> And how terrible of an opinion that really is. And would just dis- just immediately discard anything in cinema that had voiceover narration. So how, we've, like we've eliminated this film, uh, Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. countless other pieces of cinema that rely on, on narration. Some type of narration. Yeah. And let's, so let's have like a little bit of a larger discussion on why this works so well you can't always convey especially the inner thoughts of a character. You, you can't convey these things in any other method than, than providing some narration. Now I can understand if it was like overly leaned upon, but that's not what I see here from Scorsese. It, it augments scenes. It's, it gives them more context and it makes them in the case of that scene where he, where she confronts him it's funnier. Mm-hmm. It's funnier. Like the, the comedy there's comedy in the, in the narration. Yeah. I, I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. It's, he's not describing what's going on in the scene. He is adding te- like subtext mm-hmm. or color to what it is. Like he's commentating basically on what's happening as opposed to just kind of saying what's happening, which I think is the big difference. I mean, bad narration is telling me what's happening on screen. He's not doing that. Like he's doing that. And like, he's adding things to it to make it a richer feel to it. And also this is a movie that's coming from his perspective. I mean, the whole thing is from him. I mean, it's so much so that he actually breaks the fourth wall at the end where he's then talking directly to the camera, which throws me every single time he does it. I don't like it. I, I, I wish it had stayed just a narration uh, um, or he had broken the fourth wall earlier. Like I, like it just feels like it, like I understand why it happened, but it just, it just never sat right with me. Did, I didn't really like, didn't really like that. It's right at the last like five minutes. He breaks the, the fourth wall, yeah. but you know, that's a small nitpick item. That's not nothing, nothing too big. Um, but going back to actors, I do have to say, because I absolutely adore the show The Wire and love it, love it so much. And it, I realized that I haven't actually finished 
watching this film. Like I haven't watched the whole thing for a very long time because Isaiah Whitlock Jr. who plays Senator Clay Davis is in it as the doctor of Henry Hill's brother. Like when he picks him up, like very small, almost small, no lines, right? but he, yeah. But like, but I'm just going, Oh, I like, I'm doing the, the, you know, the Leo DiCaprio from, you know, once upon, once upon a time in Hollywood, the, Oh, he's there. Like, so I was really excited to see him before we go much further. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to talk about one scene in particular. Okay. We got to talk about the Copacabana entrance because let's be honest. That scene is amazing. One of the most famous it's, shots in all of cinema. Um, and, and one that is people are trying to retry and redo. Well, it's constantly homaged. It's, yeah. it's, it is. It's homage to time. Um, the single shot, S- single steady cam mm-hmm. for, for about three minutes yeah. straight. Yeah. But, and you're going through different lighting sequences. You're going through small corridors. That was the challenge, like, right? Is, is to set the, uh, to get all the lighting, right where you're not having to change the exposure because they didn't mm-hmm. to my knowledge they don't do that exposure rack in that no ra- it's no, it's not. sitting the camera's sitting on the same the same f or t stop for exposure and so you know the rumors are that that thing took days to light i don't know if that's true or not i i have no idea well, the, it the 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 challenge is if you think about it in modern terms that scene wouldn't be difficult at all because you have really, really good, even if you were shooting film today, you would have really, really good digital playback. And so you'd be able to Mm -hmm. run through there and see where the lighting is like kind of uneven. And, Mm -hmm. but in what is it? 1990, 1990. Well, so he was in the late eighties and they're probably, yeah. So like they're probably shooting in like 89 or something like that. So Mm -hmm. the reality is, in 89, the way you do that is you're, you're building out the, the alleyway, that, that hallway, the kitchen, the other corridors they move through. And then ultimately the, the lounge, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're having to set the lighting and then use a, a light meter yep. throughout Well, and to get so, everything even that's super time consuming. Yeah. Well, so they spent over a week of just rehearsing. I know specifically because I was reading, I was reading specifically about this because again, that seems so huge. So um, the steady cam operator was named Larry McConkie. And apparently, so the steady cam had been around for 15 years, but no one had really truly used it too much. But Larry actually trained under the creator of oh. the steady cam for like a week. He went to his house mm-hmm. and they just did a bunch of stuff. He goes, it was the most helpful and like taught me so much more than any type of class could ever do. Just one week of they did study came work in this guy's house. Anyways, he was talking about like, he just worked with Ray Liotta and Lorraine just kind of walked through the scene, did a bunch of stuff, like help work out the pain points of like going down that down the steps when they go down from the alley or whatever, where it's like, if he kept too close, he was seen over top of their head. So he had to angle down, but then he was so far behind that, that Ray had to kind of fit. They had to figure out a way for him to stay put for a little bit. So that way he could cu- quickly catch up. So that way they're not around the corner. So like, it was a lot of walkthrough, but what he did to kind of, I think your to your point with getting their light levels was he actually, for the rehearsals, he put a video camera on top of the steady cam. He attached it to it Makes and then ran sense. through it. So you could kind of see what's going on. And then, I mean, obviously it's not the same thing, but gives you as close of a 
realistic idea of the light levels, what you're going to have to to do. And that scene is absolutely amazing. Just it is, it is, fantastic. and it's yeah, it's it's homaged, and it'll never be never be replicated because it was the first. It's just the first iteration, and the frankly, still probably the best. And they did it so well too because like they they were building the hallways and tearing down the hallways as the city camps going through. So they had to like create stops like with the kitchen scene. You think you're walking through the kitchen. They it's actually like a big like loop. They actually loop around the kitchen and they exit the out the door that they entered in through. And so like, while they're going through the kitchen, people are quickly changing out like props and stuff like that. So they can walk down a different hallway to get into the lounge. Like, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that they thought of and had to do that. It just absolutely Crazy. This is the problem solving that cinema is kind of known for. Lost, yeah. This is the this is the complexity involved in achieving your vision. Yeah, it's it's just it's what I love about it is it's not just done for the sake of being done and like, oh, this is a really cool shot. It's mm. it's part of the storytelling process because this is the moment where Lorraine really starts to figure out like this guy is different because of who he's associated with. Like he, he has access, like we're not going in through the front. Why aren't we going in through the Ooh. front? Well, this is why we're not going through the front. Cause I don't have to, I don't have to wait in line. So it's, it's used as a storytelling device. It's not just, Cause you'll see movies with really cool shots, but they don't really contribute to the narrative. They're just there to look cool. And that's yeah. a mistake. You should save that stuff. If you have the great idea for a shot and it doesn't advance then, the narrative, just table it, keep it in your back pocket for when it really is going to serve the story. And cause yeah, that, like that shot absolutely serves the story. It's, it's wonderful. But I love, I love the anecdote that they had a perfect take in line and the comedian like couldn't remember the joke. <laughs> I forget yeah. who's up. Okay. I forget who's up there, but they're there. One of the earlier takes was like, it was, everything was perfect. The movement's perfect. They come in, they sit down and he's sitting up there. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't read that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh. yeah it's, Way to ruin, because that's the very end. Like, come on, way to ruin three minutes of, of film it was, time, it buddy. Was, like, it was Henry it, Youngman, right? I think so. The, the king the whole, of the like, one-liners, take, basically. Yeah. Yeah, he forgot. He for, basically no, forgot his lines. Like, yeah, yeah like, he forgot his line coming in because he plays himself. Yeah. So. I take my wife anywhere, but uh, she always comes back. <laughs> she always finds her way back home. It's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, uh, oh. it, this is definitely the funniest mafia movie there is oh yeah definitely. i mean it's There's not a, a comedy lot, lot it's not not no. in the least but it is very very funny um but very yeah. but don't say that to, don't say that to anybody because you may get killed by Joe yeah. yeah yeah i amuse you i amuse you my yeah it's tremendous well we've we oh, kind man. of i think we're on the outside yeah. of the 30 minute uh self-imposed <laughs> Just a little bit but this, I mean, when you talk about Goodfellas, though, it is a good it's a, time and good enjoyable. Goodfellas film. is a good time. Like, yeah, yeah, it's but super, super violent. So obviously it, it earns that R rating. Yeah. It actually almost got um, altered by the studio because it was so violent. Mm -hmm. and it is. It actually, it is. It's, 
Yeah. And it did actually do, um, the, didn't test very well and they didn't think, and then it just, obviously it did really well in the box office or did well in the box office. Yeah. Um, it, gosh, I'm just thinking of all the Maury's wigs. Don't come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, probably could spend another half hour on this, but folks, if you've not watched Goodfellas, yeah. uh, who are you? Who is that? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is another one that's uh that's getting up there in age. And mm-hmm. I mean, what it's 33 years old now. Mm-hmm. Definitely in the top films that Scorsese has done. I'll go out on a limb and say I think I think Scorsese is the greatest American director like alive today. Mm. I, I I do. I th- I think he's better than Spielberg. I think he's yeah, mm. I I I do. I I think his filmography is, is unmatched. Um, even though a lot of it kind of works in maybe a narrower Spielberg's definitely a more diverse director, but Mm, as far as broader sense, as far as higher, highest tier of quality, I, I think Marty's got him beat not by much, Mm -hmm. but I've always kind of felt that. Um, and now I feel solidified in that because it feels like Spielberg's just decided to make these tiny art house pictures and <laughs> Scorsese's still giving me some big movies. So. I mean, Flowers, Flower Moon. Killers out of the Flower too. Moon, yeah. 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 yeah, and we're not that far removed from Wolf of Wall Street. So no, this cat, this guy's still got it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and The Irishman wasn't bad. It just wasn't... I mean, I feel some of it was because it was Netflix and they, you know, they're not as big about runtime or they don't really care. They just kind of said, do your own thing. No one was reining him in. So he could kind of just make this. It's a director's yeah. cut. And they could make this bloated film mm-hmm. that just, you know, with his friends that kind of was like, uh, you know, yeah, this could have been better. Yeah. But for now that wraps it up on Goodfellas. I, I would be remiss to say we will never revisit this again. Cause there no easily could be a Goodfellas revisited 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 (laughs) (laughs) probably not probably not but all right man that wraps this one up thanks everybody 